Okay, Tzorayim Tov, we continue in the Sefer Sh'arim B'Tfilah. And um, it's about the fifth class that we've had, written by Reb Shimshon Pincus of Blessed Memory. And yesterday we discussed the idea of preparing for prayer. And although we still have one little half page to go, I'm just going to skip it for now, because the main message came across, and these ideas will... That, that we're skipping will be mentioned again. But I want to get now to what the, we now begin, if you're looking in the Sefer, page Chaf Vav, we get to the core of the Sefer and how the Sefer was written and the, the way it's going to bring the message across. There are various Midrashim that tell us that biblically there's many different expressions of different types of prayer. And the Medrashim lists 13 different types of prayer. And therefore, for the next 13 chapters of the book, he's going to explain each expression of prayer. And as we'll see, you know, when one expression is appropriate, or really it's more of a mindset that one should have. So that's how we're going to move on. Uh, each chapter is not very long. We can do it in one or two classes or probably one and a half classes so it doesn't work out evenly. But anyway, we're going to look at the first expression and it's very relevant for what we're going through right now. And that is called in Hebrew, B-Sur. Okay. And that is... Let me just close that off. Somebody wants to get on the just Okay, Bitsur, spelled Bez Yud Tzadi Vav Resh. Bitsur. It's from a Pasuk in Tehillim that says, Bitsar Li Ekra Hashem. When times were, when I was in trouble, I called out to Hashem. So Bitsur, that word, is a call to God when you are in a state of suffering. And this is one expression of prayer. Okay? And he really says that this is the foundation and the primary aspect of all aspects of prayer. And the, the rabbis tell us that when we generally talk about tefillah of prayer, it's usually a request of mercy. And that's what the halacha says, that when we daven, it should be in a way of derech tachanunim, a way of supplications, dafka, like a poor person who is begging for what's lacking in his life. That is the purest form of the essence of prayer, which we'll elaborate on. Yeah? Tehillim is prayers. Tehillim, it's sure, it's prayers, but it's it's it's... Certainly, it's meant, it's David Amel's prayers. Much of the prayers we have in the Siddur come from Tehillim. But it's definitely, now, of course, to fulfill our obligation of praying the way a rabbi said, the rabbis made a specific liturgy to follow. But Tehillim is certainly a type of prayer. Okay. And this whole concept really is the essence of what a human being is all about that separates him from all other creatures. 
Let's take a look at some other creatures for a minute. All other creatures by nature have all their needs provided for them and they're not missing anything. Let's give an example. An animal, a cow, grazes in the meadow, just eats some grass, fills his stomach, no worries, and goes to sleep. The animal is not wired I mean, it has instincts, but doesn't have real feelings and a mind and a seichel. And they just, let me just, they got no worries. A human being has an intellect. And with an intellect, he knows it's not just this minute. There's a half an hour later, five hours later, tomorrow, the next day. Animals don't think that way. There's the one thing, hungry, eat. <laughs> That's it. They don't think of what's going to happen three years from now. Human being, because of the mind that he has, he's aware of his reality of life. And a human being really is consistently in one type or another sorrow because of his worrying of the future. And he always feels that there could be or there is something missing. And the more intelligent a person is, and the more he can feel more and more how much he's missing, he can realize how much more he is in trouble. And this is regardless if his desires are physical or spiritual. Let's give a few examples of this. Let's say the person is totally interested in the physical world. That's all he wants. Well, what does he want? What does he need? Money. You have some money. I need more money. Always worried. Do I have enough money? I don't have enough. Uh, you're aware of natural dangers that exist. You know, when you're driving through certain neighborhoods, you say, Hashem, please. Uh, you say, I'm in trouble. I, I, I'm worrying about these things. Uh, there's no guarantees that the future is going to be good. You know that the world is like has a cycle. Oh yeah, you're in business. Oh, now it's a good business cycle. But they know every seven years or so, business goes flat. Well, business is doing good now, but who knows what's going to be three years from now. Okay. And also, spiritually, people have a lot of concerns. Even a person is exotic. And maybe regarding the physical things in this world, he's calm. He says everything comes from Hashem. He believes in Hashem. But then he's worried about other things like, have I served Hashem properly? Maybe I haven't done such a good job. Maybe I've been deficient in my spirituality. And maybe Hashem will discipline me for that. And Or maybe I'm not serving Hashem as well as I could. Or, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm learning this, but I should be able to learn more. And lives with a certain concern that perhaps I'm doing certain things that are not proper. And there's all kinds of discussions of what their worries can be of, uh, you know, we know there are scary statements in the Talmud. You know, the three cardinal sins are very bad. But the Gemara says if somebody has the opportunity to learn Torah and wastes his time and doesn't learn Torah, it's worse than the three cardinal sins, whatever that means. But there's plenty to worry about if you're a religious person 
And because you're worried that your religious goals will be met. And you don't want to be fined when you're going to Alamaba say, sorry, can't let you in. You made a couple mistakes. You know, remember when you borrowed a, a quarter from somebody and never paid him back? Well, we can't let you go into Olam Haba until we'll find a way to pay back the quarter. So, every person in the world, Jewish or not, is lacking something. And everybody's nature is to want some kind of salvation to get him out of his trouble. Do you have any people who are totally happy with their lives and they're not worried about anything? Very few people. Very few people. People have jobs. Uh, well, if they're not so worried, why, did, why do unions strike? <laughs> right? Why do they strike? Because they need more money. Everyone always needs more money. Need, everyone needs more. Well, why do you need more? What do you mean? I want to have more pleasures. Whatever. These are... Oh, I want to have uh, guarantees from the from the company that we're not going to get fired. You see that there's always constant worry. Now here's the question. Why did God create man that way? Why did he create us that we always feel that we're in trouble? You follow? Can, can you honestly say that you haven't been in trouble for years and years? Man, for five years, I never felt like I was in any trouble. <coughs> well, uh, nobody ever got sick in your family. Nobody uh, got things stolen or, or whatever. Car break. I mean, there's worries. You know what? What's the biggest proof we're so worried? Why do we have to have cell phones with us all the time? Why do your kids going to school have to have a cell phone? What if? What if something happens? Yes, that does happen. What do you mean? What are you worried about? Don't you think Hashem will take care of Well, yeah, but you know, but it doesn't hurt to be extra careful. What, what are you worried about? You're worried that uh, your car will break down? Uh, and nobody can help you, right? Before we had cell phones, did your car ever break down? Marshall, you're old enough like me. Yeah. You know, I remember once I was 22 years old. It was an Easter Sunday. The yeshiva finished the zman, and I offered to take a boy to the airport. Okay. It's in Cleveland. Okay. And to go through to the airport, you pass through different neighborhoods in the highway. Thank God it's the highway. Some very not Jewish neighborhoods, to put it mildly. Okay, this is like 40 years plus. No cell phones, no car phones, no nothing phones. So I take him to the airport, no problem. Driving back, five minutes into driving back, all of a sudden my car, one of the alternator belts broke. I couldn't barely turn the wheel. I had a mommish pull, pull, pull to get it off the road, like you lose the automatic whatever the, the, the steering right and I barely get it off the highway into a gas station on Easter Sunday 40 years ago where people observed these holidays a little more what do I got no cell phone no nothing PayPal. Uh, 
payphone if you have change. Now, what are the odds of a mechanic working on Easter Sunday? Especially 40 years ago. Zero. Zero. My luck Goyish guy. It is like a real not Jewish part of town. Like, no Jews for like 20 miles. And what happens? He's working. I said, can you help me? He says, you're really lucky. I'm usually closed, but I'm working on my own car. I never have time to work on my own cars. So I figure on Sunday I could do this. Okay, so he's a fairly decent non-Jew. He says, let me take a look. Oh, it's your alternator. The belt. Gone. Okay, so what can I do? He says, well, you got to get a new alternator belt. I said, where am I going to get an alternator belt? Well, you got to go down the road and go to this mechanics, whatever. So I, uh, I go down there and it, and it was open. That was like, I don't know, like $20. Yes. Something like that. Now, in those days, $20 was money. And how much money did I have in my wallet? No credit cards then. 20 bucks. So I buy the, uh, I buy the part. I don't remember how I got there. Either he let me borrow his car or something. He let me borrow his car. A different car, whatever. I don't remember exactly. Some parts uh, you lose memory. Okay, I bring him the part. He says, "Okay, I'll fix it for you." So he fixes it for me, and says, "Okay, that'll be fifty dollars." I said, "I'm really sorry. I don't have money. Will you trust me? You know, give me your name and number. I'll send you a check." He says, "Well, I guess it's it's Easter Sunday. We got to do the godly thing." And, trust you and I drove home without a cell phone without a credit card is there a God in the world or is there not now if it would have been closed Hashem would have wanted me to do a different thing all I'm trying to bring out from the and people are telling me you should have a cell phone you never know it's dangerous this and that okay but you know it's I'm, I'm not saying yes or no. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is we are always worried. There's always a tzara. There's always problems. Right? And therefore, because... And God put that in our nature. Why did Hashem do that? Because if we have deficiencies, we know we need to be helped. And if we have brains, we understand that really Hashem is the only one who can ever save you. So therefore, we always will be asking God to help us because he's the source of our salvation. And that's the basis of humanity, to cling to HaKadosh Baruch Hu through our understanding that our existence all depends on Hashem. And this is like more basic than even Enod Melvado. It's like we always have needs. And if Hashem does not take care of our needs, we will have problems. And yes, today everything's fine, but what about tomorrow? So Hashem says, Hashem wires us to be smart enough to know 
then we're always in trouble. And on our own, we can't do this. And therefore, we naturally will look for help. And therefore, where's the help going to come from? Hashem. Now, what's interesting, it says in this week's parsha, Hashem blew a soul into man. It says, Vayehi ha'odom l'nefesh chayot. The man became a living soul. And the Targum Unculus explains, L'ruach memalala, a speaking spirit. It was when God blew the soul into man that enabled him to speak. Says the Zohar HaKadosh, what does it mean? A speaking spirit before God in prayer and in Torah. And that's why when we talk about the four levels of existence of, of domain, uh, non, what's the word, non, non-living, what's the word? Uh, inanimate, inanimate. Plant, animal, what's the next one? Medaber, speaker. We're called a speaker, okay? Because we're the image of Hashem and we're meant to connect to Hashem. And we're built in such a way. Why did Hashem create us to speak? So we could communicate our needs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore Hashem always puts us in situations to know that we need HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we will always pray to Him. That's why the Gemara in Baba Kama, when it talks about the four types of damagers, one of them is called Maveh. And that's another word for a human being based in a statement from Yeshaya. The prophet Yeshaya says, says the guardian, the watchman, the morning has come and the night has come. If you will ask, you shall ask. So the root word of is to ask, and that's what comes from that word, asking. So we call an Adam, a human, is also called Mave, meaning one who asks via prayer. In other words, a definition of the human being is one who prays. This is the essence of a human being that every moment you, if you're connected to Hashem and you realize that without Hashem you're finished, so every moment you're praying to Hashem and you're always clinging to Hashem. And that's why this idea of bitzur, calling out to Hashem in times of trouble, our lives are always filled with troublesome experiences. However, we're not meant to suffer from that. We're meant merely to say, but Hashem is with me. So Hashem is with me, you just talk to Hashem. Hashem says, oh, I'm here to help you. Of course, the famous question is, the Jews got manna every day in the desert. So the Gemara asks, why do they have to give every day? Give it once a year, they could store it up. The answer is, well, if that's the case, they're only gonna talk to God once a year. But it's for our benefit to speak to God on a daily basis, that's how we cling to him, and therefore, our needs cannot be met every day. And that is one of the challenges that nowadays, where people think because we don't live in the desert, because we're not farmers, because we just walk into Sobeys and we got money because we get usually paid on a monthly basis, 
or we have money in the bank or whatever. We're living off of our, uh, uh, what do you call it, pensions. So there's nothing to worry. There's nothing to talk to God about. That's not a good state to be in. So when you get the double portion on Friday, do they still look and talk to God? Well, double portion on Friday because we're not supposed to work on Shabbos. But you're, and then, okay, but one day, you all know it's for one day. Right. It's not like you got a month off. Mm-hmm. All right? And then, of course, you're praying that the one won't spoil because the month, money usually did spoil if you left it over. So we're leaving it over Friday. Maybe, maybe it's going to spoil by tomorrow. Yeah. So you pray to God it shouldn't spoil. Okay? So that is the essence of beat sore. Praying from a realization that you are in a, a stressful situation, a time of sorrow, narrowness, pressure. But the truth of the matter is, a person could bond with Hashem in prayer even if it's not in a situation of suffering. We could just be praising God, couldn't we? God can make everything good and say, why do we have to pray from suffering and I'm worried in this? Just say, God, I love you. Thank you. Thank you. You're giving me everything I need. Wouldn't that be a nicer way of talking to God? Right? But it's harder. For a person to just sing out praises to Hashem, you got to really make the effort to arouse yourself from your own of understandings right but the but the problem is the nature of good things is when we get good things we usually forget Hashem as it says in Mishle lest I be satiated and I deny and say who is Hashem in other words Hashem would love to just give us all the time and not to worry but generally if you don't feel the pressure you forget about Hashem you don't have to. You can inspire yourself and not take it for granted. But that's a lot of work. But when you get sorrows, when you get suffering, the nature is it's gonna make you're gonna naturally want to get closer against your will, even to ask for help. And usually it's gonna be with a lot more excitement, enthusiasm, and passion, or desperation, if you need this. Right, There are certain unique people who can be inspired to pray just from gratitude. But that's not most people. When it comes to Tsaris, we see that even people who have hearts that are cold and they don't get inspired, they, they, don't, they don't get emotional over things. But if it's their only child who might die, then all of a sudden you see they get emotional. Also, his heart is thundering. It's it's the tumult, and therefore all of a sudden they're going to separate. What are you praying for? You guys don't believe in God, but but my kid's going to die. I tried everything. I went to the best doctor. There's no hope. He's going to die. What are we going to do? Now he turns to God with emotion. God's saying, you know, he didn't have to wait that long. I could have heard from you earlier. And the truth is, even great tzaddikim work in a similar way. What does that mean? Rabbi Yitzchak says in the Gemara and Yavamas, 
Why were our patriarchs barren and they couldn't have children? And he answered, because Hashem lusts for the prayers of the righteous. Now let's think about this. If Avram would have been given a child Yitzchak at a young age, don't you think Avram would have poured his heart out thanking Hashem with words of praise? Absolutely. There's no question about it. But guess what? But if, no matter how much he thinks he's pouring out his heart, and he is, he poured his heart out more when he didn't have a child for a hundred years. And that's, in other words, the tzaddik can hit higher levels that he isn't even realizing himself. Okay? And therefore, everybody prays better when they don't have what they need. It's not a criticism. That's just the human nature. And God built us that way. But why does God do that? Because he wants us to have the pleasure of feeling connected to Hashem. And the connection to Hashem is when you're talking to Hashem. And you're praying to Hashem. And when do you really, really feel this closeness? When you're in massive trouble and nobody can help you except Hashem. And there's many, many sections in Tehillim that are built on this foundation of prayer. So many verses, David Amal says, I'm surrounded by enemies. The, the bottomless pit is, is going to swallow me up. I found all kinds of suffering and misery, but I still called out in Hashem. Oh, Hashem, save me. Blah, all these things. David Amalek always saw himself with great sorrow, but he always was standing before Hashem, you know, uh, ready, almost going to fall to Sholem Elech. Hashem created such miserable life conditions for David Amalek. Why? Did he hate him? No, he loved him. But he wanted to hear David's prayers. And that's when we say to Tehillim, we're, we're saying, I'm in that same situation that I relate to David. David knows how to say the words better than me. And that's, those are the words that we say. And therefore, you see in this world, even people who will, I don't want to come out to other people's favors. I don't want, I'd rather suffer and not have favors from anybody. Or maybe they're embarrassed to ask for a favor. Or maybe he's an arrogant guy and he says, I don't need anybody to help me. Okay, because I don't want people to think I'm not so great. And maybe he's even willing to suffer a lot. And not ask anybody, because he has so much pride. But what if the suffering is so great, he can't take the suffering at all? It's breaking him. Then you know what? He's going to ask for help. Again, that guy, if his only child is dying and he never asked for help, he, that will break him. And when he really needs it, right, he, he's going to forget about his honor, forget about everything else, and he will look for help. Now, and if you can't find the help from any physical means, then you'll turn to God. Person who really is suffering, he can't eat, he can't sleep. He forgets about everything else. He just knows one thing, I got to turn to God. And this is such a fundamental yesoid. And this is the first piece of advice for us to be able to overcome our laxity in prayer. 
What I got to pray for? Everything's fine. Is to reflect on the truth, which is how much you are in a tzara, whether you know it or not. If you would only reflect on what the rabbis say about the ultimate judgment day, what do the rabbis tell us? That one moment in the world to come is greater than all the pleasures of this world. One, wor- one moment in Gehenna is worse than all the sufferings of this world. Okay? So therefore, imagine, if, if you did any Avera, you got Gehenna, you know what's waiting for you? You know what kind of sorry you're in? If you said Lushen Har again, somebody, and you think about that, you would pray to God, God, please forgive me. You know what kind of trust? People don't realize what kind of trust. Now, God's not doing this to make us feel depressed. He's just saying, you're human, you make mistakes, I understand it. You're my child and I love you and I want you to develop and I want you to grow and you're going to make mistakes and it's fine. But you got to know every time you make a mistake, there's a price to be paid. But I'll always be there to help you. But just call on me. So the, this is the yesod of all prayer. Now, if we, because the world is so technologically advanced, and I don't think any of us in recent memory have spent a day not knowing where the food's coming from. We get upset, we go to the store and our favorite coffee isn't there. Oh, I don't have my favorite coffee, but there's 27 other coffees. My life is ruined. How can I not have a Starbucks, a deluxe, this and that? I, I'm, and the guy really feels terrible. Somebody took my parking space. He shoots him. He must feel a lot of pain, no? So, so to realize that we are in a position that really we don't realize how much trouble we're in but that's okay because you have to remember there's Hashem who's right there who's going to take care of you but the whole point is to recognize that that is what's going on over here and as we shall see Rabbi Nachman of Breslov says a tremendous idea over here we'll talk about shortly when there's the biblical mitzvah of prayers, when you're in trouble. There's a whole question, is prayer rabbinic, biblical, etc., etc. But he says like this. He says, whenever a person is in any type of trouble, then the prayer is a biblical mitzvah, according to all opinions. But the point is, it doesn't have to be a trouble of life and death. Okay? What if you're in trouble like me, that I didn't have any money to pay the guy who fixed my car. That's also a trouble. So what do you do? You turn to Hashem and say, Hashem, I, I need some help. Will the guy be willing to, to let me take the car without paying him? Because you see, for Hashem, is it harder for Hashem to help you save your life or to find you $20 that you need? Is either one harder? That's you have to remember. It's not how hard it is. It's if you ask him for God, he can give you anything. It's the same effort. And then you should pray. You know, Rabbi Nachman's famous student, Rabbi Nosson, 
He once was going with uh, a shoe, missing a shoelace. So Rabbi Nachman says, how come you don't have, your shoe is open, so I don't have a shoelace. So Rabbi Nachman says, well, well why don't you have, why don't you buy one? So I don't have any money. Mm. says, did you pray to Hashem for it? says, Rabbi, do you have to pray for a shoelace? Rabbi Nachman says, what, it's not a beautiful thing to pray for a shoelace? Does it matter to ask Hashem for a shoelace or $10,000 to save your life? A father wants a child to ask. And the more you ask for the smallest things, that shows how much you feel dependent on and close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is the first aspect. We're not even close to finishing this concept, but you can begin to understand. Again, we're not trying to understand the global scope of what's going on in Eretz Yisrael. We're trying to find silver linings, though. And one of the silver linings are, do you think there are people in Israel who are praying harder to God today than they were yesterday, yes. a week ago? Yes. People who never talked to God are talking to him, turning to him, and realizing that, you know what, maybe the Israeli government can't always take care of you. And maybe only HaKadosh Baruch Hu can take care of you. But the truth is, that's the way it always is. So sometimes Hashem has to remind us the way it always is. And we'll continue with this theme. Now tomorrow, I don't know yet if I have a class because I have to be downtown at 12. Okay. I'm going to send an email. Tonight or tomorrow? No, tomorrow at about 1 o'clock. Okay, fine. If I can make it back, if I'm in and out, yes. Assume the class is off. Until you get, but check your emails about one o'clock to see if we're on. Was she 